everybody. Welcome to another week of the We Tackle Life podcast. I hope I'm more on time this week than I was last week. Uh, we had all kinds of built-in weirdness last week. We had a Monday where I had all kinds of technical issues and it got released late. It actually never got released Monday. I intended to release it in the afternoon and it never got done and then I just released it on Wednesday and then Friday, I had the privilege of having Jason Whitlock on as an interview subject, and Jason was great. Spent an hour with him. You can uh, find that on um, your favorite podcast platform. It's the same uh, way you search this podcast, but Jason spent an hour with us, talked about his new opportunity at the Blaze. Really appreciate his time. I knew Jason from years ago when he covered Michigan and I covered Ohio State, but um, we spent a lot of time talking about faith, so... The faith portion was pretty much the whole podcast, but uh, culture, sports, entertainment, media, faith, all of it in that podcast. So this week we get back to a more normal uh, release schedule, hopefully so, and I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate those of you who asked, like, hey, you didn't stop doing the podcast, did you? No, I definitely have not stopped doing the podcast, so I will not stop extolling the virtues of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee because it's phenomenal. They do a great job. And their coffee's fantastic. Their ministry is fantastic. Stop by their store in Mechanicsburg if you're ever in Mechanicsburg. And that's a good reason to go to Mechanicsburg is to meet Paul, Grace, Andy, and the Hemisphere Coffee Roasters team. Have them tell you about how they do what they do and how they got into the business. And please let them make you something there because they are awesome baristas as well. You get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, so make sure that you avail yourself of all the delicious flavors of the chocolate, of the tea, of all their uh, delicious offerings at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, uh, let's start with it, the 12-team college football playoff. I won't bury the lead. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I know you're all excited about it, and you think it's going to be great, and I don't want to rain on your parade. Yes, of course I'll watch it because I'll have to watch it. But to me, it's like making us care about the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl. They're going to put these games in bowl games. They're going to give them playoff significance. They really won't be... Uh, interesting games. They really won't be good games, except for the fact that they will move teams on to, you know, an eight-team playoff. Uh, here's how it would have looked last year, okay? Uh, home field, the Cincinnati Bearcats welcome the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, I'll give you that. A little bit interesting there. Could you see take them down, Luke Fickle? Coastal Carolina at Notre Dame. Coastal Carolina at Notre Dame. All right, maybe you want to see if Coastal Carolina can win at Notre Dame. Oh, here's a biggie. Here's the, the winner of this game plays Ohio State. Indiana at Texas A&M. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, whoop-de-doo. Who's lining up for that? Man, if that doesn't scream the Blue Diamond Walnut San Francisco Bowl, I don't know what does. And Iowa State at Florida. Now, I get it. SEC against Big 12, that's mildly interesting. Coastal Carolina against Notre Dame, all right, whatever. But would you really watch that game if it wasn't a playoff game? Of course not. Should Bama have to play Georgia again after they already probably beat them like a drum in an SEC title game? You want to play again a couple weeks later? 
Who's watching that other than Georgia and Bama fans? Should Ohio State have to worry about playing Texas A&M, a big physical team, before it's going to play Clemson in the playoff semifinal? There's nothing good that can come of this. I'm sorry for you if you're on that 4-5 line and you don't get picked at 4, but we all know there are three dominant programs in college football, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. If you want to make the playoff better, put those three teams in and make it a round robin. That's how you could make the college football playoff better. But I get it. It's all about the money. It's all about the increased TV time. It's all about the inventory and all those kinds of things. So, okay, whatever. Y'all want it. You're all going to end up going, you know what? This isn't as great as I thought it was. Now, Ohio State ought to get in it every year, which maybe that's why you like it. But to me, it's silly that the six highest seeds have to be conference champions. Like, why? Why can't Notre Dame be one of the top four teams and get a bye? That's stupid. If you're going to use the college football playoff rankings to rank the six highest-ranked non-champions, non-conference champions, why can't you use the college football playoff rankings to determine the top four? If you're four in the college football playoff rankings and – you're not okay. You're not a conference champion. Like, does anybody think Notre Dame is going to be four and not earn it? Yeah, I suppose a lot of you out there are saying yes, of course. Notre Dame cheats. All right, whatever. But to me, this is really, really dumb. And here's the fallout of it. Here's the fallout of it. Okay, why would you play games like Ohio State, Oregon? What is the possible upside of playing the Ohio State, Oregon game? What is the possible upside? of some of these other games that Ohio State has on the schedule. Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Ohio State. Why would you ever go and play those games when all you're trying to do is win your conference championship or protect yourself against a loss that's going to keep you from being one of the six highest-ranked non-conference champions? Like a a team that's among the top six-ranked teams that are not conference champions. It's all about getting into the playoff, okay? So I don't see any point in playing those great intersectional games. You're going to take a system where every game matters, and you're going to turn it into one where a lot of the games matter and a lot of them don't. And if you're Indiana and you're on that, uh, you're you're ranked, let's say, eighth, and you're going to play Purdue in your season finale, and you got a quarterback who's a little iffy, Michael Penix is a little iffy, you're not going to play him against Purdue to rest him for the playoff. You can't get one of the top four seeds. You're not going to win the conference championship because you didn't win your division in the Big Ten. I think it's going to lead to holding guys out of of games, rivalry games. I think it's going to lead to a lot of rematches. Anybody want to see Ohio State play Indiana again? Nope, don't think so. Anybody want to see Georgia play Alabama again? Nope, don't think so. To me, this is just the epitome of everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody gets a ribbon. 12. What a goofy number, 12. Why wouldn't you go to 8? I don't know. Because there's money. That's why. I hate this idea. Can you tell? Yes, you probably can. Uh, I think it's a stupid idea. I hope it was floated as 12 so that they'll take eight and people won't complain about it, so that everybody will sit up and go, 12? What a stupid idea. You're going to have five SEC teams in the playoff? Is that going to be fun? 
You going to like that? You going to like the SEC Invitational? Horrible idea. Let me count the ways. I've ticked off about seven of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are many ways that auiinfo.com can help your business. Number one, it can help you as an individual get, you don't have to be in a business. You could just be a regular Joe like me. You can get great health insurance. They'll line you up with great health insurance. Okay. Free. You don't have to pay them. They give you the insurance options out there for what you're paying for, the benefits you want, the doctors you want, the hospitals you want. You select the option and then whoever you select, they pay AUI. Then, if you're a small business owner, small business person, two people, 50 people, anywhere in between, they'll hook you up with a great benefits package for your employees, which, which you know, involves insurance. If you want health, dental, vision, life, disability, they can do all that or they can do some of that. Then, the other thing is, if you're a business owner, you're paying for HR probably, HR counseling, HR access, HR this, that, maybe a full-time HR specialist. They offer that as part of you doing business with them through their other insurance portals. So that's, I think I've given you three ways that auiinfo.com can help you. Here's a fourth. Go to their website, type your questions into their chat, auiinfo.com, and it'll take care of you. All right. In other sports, I do find it, while I don't follow the NBA at all because they got political, and when they got political, they got uninteresting to me. I do find it interesting that karma has come looking for Kevin Durant. Now, I know Kevin Durant was not a Golden State Warrior when the Golden State Warriors had to play the Cavs without Kevin Love and without Kyrie Irving. But I do find it a little bit karma-ish that now Durant is playing for the Nets where he went championship hunting again with James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Yes, I know Harden wasn't there when Durant went there, but he still went championship hunting with the Nets. And now Kevin Durant may have to play the rest of his series against Milwaukee without James Harden, who got injured in game one, and without Kyrie Irving, who got injured on Sunday. And I didn't watch it. I just saw the note online because I don't watch NBA basketball. And 73% of you told me in a Twitter poll a couple weeks ago that you don't watch NBA basketball either, that you haven't watched a game in a year or two. So uh, maybe some of you said that just because you want to stick it to the NBA, but I tend to think that's legit. So it's definitely legit with me. All right, a couple little things that I think just bear uh, watch, uh, bear uh, noting. Uh, Jerome Baker, former Buckeye, uh, who was there three years and left prior to Benedictine High School in Cleveland. Jerome Baker signed a three-year, $39 million contract with the Miami Dolphins yesterday. Congratulations to Jerome Baker. I covered his high school state championship game. He's a beast then. He wasn't a beast at Ohio State. He's a really good player, but he's a really good player in the NFL, and the Dolphins want to keep him around, so good for him. Uh, the uh, Blue Jackets have hired a new coach. His name is Brad Larson. He's been a longtime assistant with the Blue Jackets. Look, the Blue Jackets are what the Blue Jackets are. The Blue Jackets are uh, nice organization that will win a lot of games, maybe get in the playoffs, maybe get to the second round, maybe sometime they'll get to the third round. But the Blue Jackets aren't going to go out and they're not going to hire, you know, a coach that costs in the top third of the NHL. Brad Larson fits them. He's earned his stripes, maybe a great coach. Um, you know, I don't know. Do you hope that he's a great coach? Yeah. If he's a great coach, will you be able to keep him? You sure about that? I don't know. Seth Jones is not going to be a long-term Blue Jacket, just like Artemi Panarin wasn't. 
just like Ryan Johansson wasn't, Pierre-Luc Dubois wasn't, on and on and on and on and on. Do you know who the Blue Jackets are? The Blue Jackets are Xavier basketball. That's who they are. They're a mid-major. I like the Blue Jackets. I like a lot of guys who work at the Blue Jackets, really good guys. They make the playoffs, and they're a good show. Nationwide Arena is a vastly superior arena to Value City Arena. But the Blue Jackets are, they're not a NHL Stanley Cup final contending team unless they happen to hit the mother load in the draft and make it before all their guys reach unrestricted free agency because the business model for the, the Jackets doesn't work like the business model does for the Toronto Maple Leafs or for the New York Rangers or for the Chicago Blackhawks or for the other original six and a few other uh, teams that just, you know, spend money going out of style because their local television contracts are outrageous. The Jackets' local television contract is very modest by NHL standards, and so the Blue Jackets will be a good value for your entertainment dollar always, but you just know that you can fall in like with their players but not in love because guys will come, they will become stars, they will leave, they may come back and bid you adieu on their way to retirement. I hope Nick Felino comes back because I really like Nick. But that's it. The Jackets are Xavier basketball. And so Brad Larson gets the chance to be Thad Mata. He gets the chance to be Pete Gillen. He gets the chance to be Skip Prosser. He gets the chance to be, here's a name out of the past, Bob Stack. He gets a chance to be Chris Mack. He gets a chance to be Sean Miller. And why do I mention all those guys? Because they all went on to better jobs. And that's what Brad Larson will do if he turns out to be a phenomenal head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I never talk tennis on this podcast. This is like the 250th episode of this podcast. To my knowledge, we've never talked tennis one minute. I can't let 34-year-old Novak Djokovic win the French Open coming back from two sets down against some 22-year-old dude whose name I can't pronounce for his 19th career Grand Slam without giving a shout-out to Novak Djokovic. So, Novak, shout-out. Uh, great job. Uh, now, scary moment in sports. Uh, a Danish soccer player, Christian Eriksen, collapsed on the field. This was like a full-on, my heart stopped, I'm going down like a tree. And they had to go out there, and they said he, and the doctor's quote was, he was gone. Like, out, no heartbeat. And they resuscitated him and brought him back to life. And he seems to be fine. And so, man, you ever stop and think how miraculous it is what doctors do? And uh, that's a scary moment. But uh, I have a really good friend who's a doctor. And I have such enormous respect for him as a Christian man, as a father, as a husband. But... um, also, not more so, but also just the amount of knowledge that man has. The is he's unbelievable. Like the guys who are doctors, the ladies who are doctors, they got a different brain than I got because there's just no way I could do that. So, man, great job. Great, 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 great job. Okay. Uh, there's a story out there I've not commented on. I will comment on it at some point in time, but I want to see uh, how it uh, develops in the next day or two, and I want to pray about it and really give it some thought. And uh, the story is about uh, 
the legacy of Bo Schembechler at Michigan um, because he deserves me to give it um, very detailed and um, purposeful thought before I uh, join the dog pile of people who are dismissing um, Bo Schembechler. Uh, and I will not do that um, before I have a chance to really think this through. So that is where I stand on that. Uh, as far as uh, the final sponsor read of the show, you know it's my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the attorney firm of choice of the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. They're my attorney firm. I would never take anything to any other attorney. I run questions by them on a pretty regular basis, not just for my show, Friday nights at 6 when we do Ask the Attorney. But I um, feel free, feel comfortable to call them. And, you know, I'm, I'm not on the clock. Um, that takes a special person to see their talent as their way of serving others. My doctor friend does that. And the people at Willis Spangler Starling do that. I can just flat out guarantee you, you will not find people who have more expertise, more integrity, and more character than Willis Spangler Starling. They're not going to misrepresent you. They're going to do it extremely competently, and you're not going to have any concerns about anything being less than pristine from a character standpoint, from an ethics standpoint. All right, with that, let's transition to the faith portion of the podcast. So I was sitting down the other morning, as I do every morning or most every morning, and I was um, reading through my Bible, and I had a thought to view the conversation between Jesus and Pilate when Jesus was um, being, you know, railroaded into his crucifixion by the mob. And only one of the Gospels uh, recounts this conversation between Jesus and Pilate. It is the Gospel of John. It is in John 19. And uh, Pilate asks him, are you a king? And he says, it is as you say. And Pilate, like, basically wants to know, like, well, then, you know, why, why are you putting up with this nonsense from this mob? And Jesus is like, look, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were of this world, my people would fight. If it's not, you know, meaning is angels. And at one point, Jesus tells Pilate, for this reason, I came into the world. For this reason, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So I thought about that, and I thought about truth, and I said to myself, it would be really interesting to sit down someday and to do a study to write down every single time Jesus talked about truth. And one of the most famous times that he talked about truth was in John 8, 31, where Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him or believed in him, he said this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I know somewhat recently I've talked about this verse, that people like to quote the back half of the verse. You know, the, hey, the truth will set you free. But Jesus put conditions on that. These were Jews who believed in him. They believed he was the Son of God. They believed he was the Messiah. Uh, so he said, if you hold to my teaching. In other words, if you do what I teach you, live your life the way I'm telling you to, then you're really my disciples. And if you do that, then you'll know the truth, and then the truth will set you free. So I thought to myself, well, if I want to live to that verse, and I definitely do, what constitutes Jesus' teaching? He said, if you hold to my teaching, 
you are really my disciples. So what would constitute Jesus' teaching? And I thought, just off the top of my head, well, he's, he's the Son of God. He's the only Son of God. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. And in Acts 4.12, Peter said, There is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. So that's the teaching, that Jesus came to earth, that he was the Son of God, he is the Son of God, he lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross to save us from our sins. All right, so that's his teaching. So, all right, so if I hold to that truth, that then says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. So why do I hold to that teaching? Like, just for the honor of being a disciple? No, because once I know that truth, once I know that teaching, that he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody can come to the Father except through him, well, then I hold on to that teaching because I'm thankful that he did that. I'm, I'm inexpressive inexpressibly thankful. I can't express how thankful I am. I, can, I don't hold on to that teaching by by effort. I don't white-knuckle that teaching like, oh, I got to hold on to this because if I don't, then I'm not really his disciple. No, I hold on to it because I want to. And what, what are some other aspects of that? Like, so what does that compel me to do if I'm one of his disciples? Well, he said in the upper room to the other disciples, I want you to if I wash your feet, I want you to wash one another's feet. In other words, I want you to treat each other humbly. I want you to, to submit to each other. I want you to forgive each other. He's, Peter asked him one time, how many times do I have to forgive? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, unlimited. How would our world change if we had an attitude of forgiveness instead of an attitude of gotcha, an attitude of retribution, an attitude of penalty? How would our world change? It be transformed. All if we just follow Jesus' teaching. He said to the sinful woman, go and sin no more. So that's part of my duty as a disciple. Like I've been freed of my sin, like she was forgiven, being caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. So now that he said to me, hey, Bruce, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. In other words, try, try to live to my teaching. Um, in First Peter, I think it is, Peter said, um, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's a pretty good template for how to be a disciple. Let them see your good deeds so that'll glorify God, not glorify you, not so you'll get the credit, but so God will. And then, of course, the Great Commission, the final words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, go into all the world, teaching them to obey my commandments. Um baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, make disciples. Make more. Do more. Go, go find more. Tell other people what I did for you in the hopes that they'll want me to do it for them. And that shouldn't be hard once I have a complete grasp of the depth and the breadth and the sufficiency of his grace. Um, he did at the cross for me what I could never do for myself. Why wouldn't I want to share that? That's the ultimate good news because it can spare anybody of anything. So that's his teaching. 
Those are some of his teachings, and those are the things that we hold to. So that how, that's what allows me to be assured that I am one of his disciples. And he says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, all right, so if I've held to his teaching, and I think I've proven that I'm one of his disciples, then with that comes truth. What kind of truth? Well, clarity of spiritual truth, which is a proper prism, a proper lens through which to evaluate, to assess, to analyze everything in life, whether I should do something or not do something, whether I should uh, be glad, whether I should reject it, not do it. That's another word for that is discernment, Um, a prompting from God's inner voice inside me, the Holy Spirit, an awareness, a uh, sensitivity to his direction. The Holy Spirit, people get all weirded out about the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit, just think of the Holy Spirit as like your spiritual GPS, your your dashboard warning light, uh, calling you to action or warning you off of, don't do that. You don't have a good feeling about that? Don't do that. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit inside us. The Holy Spirit goes by a ton of different names. The mind of Christ. When Paul wrote, we have the mind of Christ if we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it the spirit of truth. That would make sense, right? If you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples, then you'll know the truth. If you hold, if you hold to my teaching and you're my disciples, I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my inner voice. That's truth. So he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, the counselor, the comforter. So you get all that when you receive Christ as your Savior. And, you know, so he says, you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Will set me free from what? Set me free from what? In my case... I used to worry about being good enough. Am I good enough to merit eternal life? Am I good enough to go to heaven if Jesus comes back today? And I, all, the answer to that was almost always no. No, my mouth, I had a potty mouth today. I had a bad attitude today. I was impatient today. I was, you know, thinking wrong thoughts today. And when I realized that Jesus settled that for me at the cross, I got done with those thoughts. I got, I got peace. Knowing that I was good enough because of Jesus spared me beating myself up, and this is what Satan's tool is to beat us up, about how unqualified I was. I didn't feel like a failure anymore. I wasn't a failure anymore because Jesus did it for me. So I got that peace, and I mean, how much love could you ever, how could you ever doubt you're loved if you know the Son of God died for you? So I got peace, and I got love. And the third thing I got is I got freed from, I got freed from, I got freed from, I'm not good enough. I got freed from, I'm a failure. And I got freed from, I don't know what I should do. 
I got purpose when I got the peace of Christ and understood the depth of Christ's love for me. I got a purpose. And that purpose is to go and tell you, tell others, be light. (laughs) And for all the things you can get in life, boats, cars, houses, planes, whatever, what do you really need? What is everybody really looking for? What are all the people in Hollywood, all the millionaires, all the billionaires, what are they really looking for? If everybody in life had peace, had felt loved, and had purpose, would that solve suicide? Would that solve drug abuse? Would that solve domestic abuse? Would that solve racial strife? What problem would exist if everybody in the world had peace, love, and purpose? And everyone can. It's available through Jesus Christ. That's what I get when I hold to his teaching, then I'm his disciple, then I know the truth, and the truth set me free from being not good enough, being a failure, and not being loved. Not, not, I mean, I was loved by people on earth. I had loving parents and loving brothers and stuff, but that whole thing, like, wow, like he died for me? Like, whoa, like that blows my mind. Peace, love, and purpose. <laughs> all three available in Jesus Christ. And so that's what I wish for all of you is peace, love, and purpose. And understand where that comes from. A lot of people are chasing Solomon, richest man that ever lived, wisest man that ever lived. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes where he's like, everything's emptiness, everything, chasing your tail. It's because Solomon chased women wealth. He called it chasing after the wind because he lost the peace. He had direct communication with God. He blew it. That's a subject for another podcast some days. Is Solomon in heaven? I don't know. I don't like to, as I always say, I'm not, I'm not in enforcement. I'm in marketing. So I hope I've marketed the gospel well to you today because it is so awesome, man. So awesome. So with that, I bid you have a great week. Talk to you Wednesday on the We Tackle Life podcast.